Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. I just want to say that uh, it's, it is good and right to celebrate the freedom that we have in this nation, and I am so blessed. I would say nearly every day, I, in prayer, thank God for the blessing of living in such a prosperous nation, in such a free nation, and uh, uh, I'm very aware of it, and if you... You know, fortunately, through ministry, I get to travel quite a bit, and so I've seen a lot of other places in the world, and I've seen some of the destitution and the poverty and the bondage in other places, and, and every time I come home and cross that border, there's, there is a sigh of relief uh, that, yes, I'm coming home, but this, this is an is a honored place, and Jesus says, to whom much has been given, much is required, and so we as a nation have a lot to be grateful for, but it also means we bear a lot of responsibilities. And so this, this month, of course, today's July 4th, that's uh, not necessarily why we're teaching on freedom for this month, but uh, it is nice that it uh, aligns, we're celebrating the freedom that we have in this nation today, but this whole month we're going to be looking at different aspects of the freedom that we have through faith in Jesus Christ, the freedom that Jesus came as, as we celebrated communion today. He died on the cross. He, his body was broken. His blood was shed so that we could experience genuine freedom, spiritual freedom, complete freedom. And so we're just going to dive in for the next four weeks into different aspects of the freedom Jesus offers. I have a little video um, that I found uh, to start this off. If you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But they answered, We are the descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. So how can you say we will become free? You see, they answered Jesus in the same way we might. I mean, we're Americans, right? We live in the land of the free. We sing songs about it. We get together and have parties and fireworks, all to celebrate our nation's freedom. But Jesus was speaking of a different kind of freedom, a freedom that can only be found in Him. He answered them, This is the truth. Everyone who chooses a life of sin isn't free. They are a slave to sin. A slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son or a daughter? They belong forever. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. The sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And so the freedom that Jesus offers is a different kind of freedom that we celebrate in America. And I don't want to in any way diminish our celebration of the nation uh, we live in. We need to celebrate uh, the, the blessings that we have Uh, living in this great nation, but we need to remember to worship God and not confuse the two. And as uh, the video portrayed, uh, and we'll turn to that verse in uh, 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 the Bible that they reference, uh, the people that Jesus spoke to got that confused. And there's been confusion about that 
all along. And I think in, in our day, there's, there's a lot of confusion in the world. And I just want to kind of speak into understanding, you know, what we as a church are here and what Christ has called us uh, to proclaim and to defend. Uh, I printed out a copy of the Constitution. Have you ever read it? How many people have read the, the Constitution? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy read. <laughs> it was written like a long time ago. But um, I believe in the Constitution. I'm a con- uh, constitutional conservative. I think that it should be interpreted uh, uh, given the intent of the authors, uh, but applied in our day. I defend the Constitution. I would willingly, if need be, die for the rights that are in this uh, document for what our nation has been built on, and I'm grateful for it. But you know what? I live for this. Okay? This, this, is, the wor- this is the word that defines my life. And, and long after this nation is dead and gone, like every other nation that has preceded us, this word will remain. And so the purpose of church, the purpose of Christianity, the purpose of my job and, and, and as Christians, we need to keep this straight and not confuse uh, the two. It's good to celebrate our nation. We need to be grateful that there are remnants of, uh, of godliness in our nation and, and defend that. But folks, there's a vast difference between what... Uh, God calls us to live as and what this document calls us to live. This document <coughs> gives us, uh, you know, it's about the pursuit of happiness. This is about the pursuit of holiness. Big difference, all right? This gives us many freedoms to live in whatever way we want. This gives us the freedom to live as Christ calls us to live. Radically different. Uh, uh, and this cannot free us from sin. This cannot free us from the issues that really cause bondage, destruction, and death. But God's word can, in relationship with Jesus Christ, as king can. We worship a king, and we're part of a different kingdom. Uh, Paul addresses this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, Many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And he's referring to people that either were Jews or most likely people that had had become part of the church but kind of fell back into a worldliness. Um, That's why he was weeping. It broke his heart. Uh, uh, He describes them as those whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. God is their belly. That means they, 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 they live just to consume. You know what that's called? Consumerism. You know who invented it? Americans. <laughs> we perfected it. Right? We are 4% of the world's population. 4%. All right? But we have what? At least, I didn't look up the numbers. You can Google it. 80, maybe 90% of the wealth. But we're 4%. We're special to God. We're his special needs kid. (laughs) 
we're spoiled. There's just no way around it. I, you know, I challenge it. And, you know, whatever group of people Jesus would be with, he would, he would, he would get under their skin. Right? He would, so if Jesus is with a group of liberals, he's going to get under their skin and challenge them to be different. If he's with a group of evangelical right-wingers, he's going to say things that get under their skin, that calls them to follow him in a way that challenges the areas of their life where they're not living in alignment with God's word. And so Christianity, the gospel, faith, the Bible is about realizing our citizenship is in heaven, as it says here, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. just want to bring a comparison. Uh, the guy who wrote this, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a citizen of Rome. And if there's ever a nation that America can be compared to, it's the Roman nation. They were wealthy, they were powerful. Most people don't realize this, but they were one of the first of the ancient uh, uh, superpowers that allowed religious freedom. They didn't force the lands that they conquered to change their God as long as it didn't challenge uh, loyalty to Caesar. And that's why they opposed Christianity, because Christianity called Jesus a king. And so they had problems with that. But they didn't understand that they were talking about a spiritual king and not an earthly king, all right? <clears throat> but eventually, it only took a few hundred years, even the, the Roman Empire became Christian. Uh, uh, Constantine had the vision and, and, and uh, allowed and became a Christian, and Christianity was uh, uh, legal from that point on. And then it took over the Roman Empire, all right? Our citizenship uh, is not... Uh, of any nation of this world primarily. Now, I'm proud to be an American. I, 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 when I travel overseas, I keep that passport close. <laughs> right? I want to be able to get back home. Right? But ultimately, that citizenship will perish. But my citizenship in heaven never will. Right? And we need to live as citizens of heaven. And so when Paul was writing this, there's actually a lot of similarities to our, our, our days today. And he's comparing it to people who got their priorities wrong and allowed their minds to be set on earthly things rather than on heavenly things, all right? And so even good things that are earthly can become an enemy to the better things that are heavenly. You hear me? Okay, America's good, America's great but we don't want to worship America. 53% of pastors of Protestant churches in America responded and said that they feel that their congregations often love America more than they love God. <sighs> if you love something more than you love Jesus, what is that thing? Some people idolize the Bible. I've known people that, so, that mistake even the Bible instead of worshiping Jesus. And they can derail. Something is as perfect and as good as God's word 
So <clears throat> you don't want to idolize anything. You don't want to substitute who we're really worshiping. So, and recognizing that our citizenship is in heaven actually gives us the freedom to celebrate the good things and to fight for uh, this nation in a way that brings about the pursuit of godliness, understanding ultimately this is a temporary kingdom and we belong to an eternal kingdom. Well, let's turn to that verse that was referenced in the video. Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, so these were Jews that were listening, that they had been coming to uh, Jesus' talks and they were believing and he challenged them. He said, if you abide or live in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and the truth, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. <laughs> they answered and said, hey, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone, which really cracks me up, <laughs> because they were under the power of the Roman Empire when they said that, and they had been in bondage to many other nations throughout the ages. And so it's, it's kind of like a, a, a reference to how people can think something that's not true. And, so, and they said it. We're descendants of Abraham. We've never been a slave to anyone. <clears throat> but they've been under bondage for centuries. And then they go on and said, how can you say we will be made free? <clears throat> and Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus came to offer them freedom, but the Jews who heard him didn't understand. They thought they were already free because of their ethnicity and their nationality. Huh? How many people turn to their ethnicity to find their freedom. And Jesus is saying, it's not about that. It's not about nationality. That's not what really sets you free. We enjoy freedoms that other places in the world do not have in this nation, thankfully, gratefully. Let's fight for those freedoms. But understand, it's not the freedom Jesus offers. And our ethnicity and our nationality never can get us those kind of freedoms. Uh, they were in bondage, but they didn't even realize it in the same way people today are in bondage without even realizing it. And I want you to think not about the easy people to think about, like the other people that are in bondage, like drug addicts or, you know, <clears throat> people caught up in, you know, uh, criminal activity, you know, the really bad people that are in bondage. No, you're in bondage. I'm in bondage. Are you perfect yet? Almost. Dan's almost. I'm a long way from it. All right. And so in order to get the benefit of Jesus' teaching, we need to confess Listen, I'm not there yet. As I've been preparing this message, I've been thinking, you know, to be really brutally honest, I'm in, I have a lot of bondages in my life. Okay? And so I don't compare myself with others. I compare myself with Jesus. 
And I look at Jesus and say, wow, I got a long way to go. So look at the places in your life where you may be in bondage, but you don't realize it. And Jesus refers to slavery because he's pointing out that, you know, if you're a slave to something, you don't have the power to free yourself. You can't, you can't gain freedom if you're a slave. And Jesus is saying, if we commit any form of sin, we're a slave to sin. And we need, we need outside help, okay? And the fact is that every man, woman, and child is a slave to sin. Everyone born into this world is born into, a, 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 into sin as an individual, but also into a, a race of uh, mankind that is dominated by sin into a world system that is controlled by sin, right? And there's nothing in or of this world that can free us because it's the problem. So you take the best the world has to offer, it's not going to give you freedom. At most, it'll give you a more deceptive form of bondage in which you think you're free when really you're more lost than ever. Jesus came as God the Son to offer a different type of freedom, spiritual freedom, freedom from this world. In Luke chapter 4, <clears throat> Jesus is explaining this to uh, uh, the people from his hometown. He went to Nazareth and where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just a little plug there. <clears throat> Uh, so Jesus was, he just, he went, to, he went to the synagogue when it was time to worship. He was there worshiping with the people of God. It was on the Sabbath day because he was a Jew. And he stood up to read. <clears throat> the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wow, this was a, this was a, a stick of dynamite going off in that room <clears throat> because of what he said and what he claimed, he was the fulfillment of that major messianic prophecy. He was basically declaring to the room, I am the Messiah. I am God the Son. Come to set you free. Well, <laughs> and this was Jesus's mission statement, uh, the purpose of his ministry. And twice the very word freedom is used uh, in that, but the whole statement is about being set free from poverty and captivity, from blindness and physical ailments and every form of oppression. Jesus came to set people free, but they didn't get it. In fact, if you read a few more verses, at first they were like, wow, who is this kid? Isn't he Joseph's son? By, the, by a few verses later, they were so angry, they were going to drag him out and throw him off a cliff. We're going to kill him. He got under their skin. All right? because he challenged their preconceptions. And it says Jesus walked away through the midst of them. Man, I can't wait to see the video of that. What did that look like? Like, did he pull a Jason Bourne or something? <laughs> they all like, he just started whistling and walked out. 
It was an angry mob about to throw him off the cliff. And he walks away. You know why? Because he wasn't bound by them. He was offering a freedom, and he walked in freedom. He had a freedom. People still don't understand the freedom Jesus is offering. Like the people in the story, they see Jesus through the lens of the world when Jesus came to offer freedom from the world. As long as you're looking at Jesus, the words of Jesus, uh, the promises of Jesus, through a worldly perspective, you're not going to get it, right? John, uh, the apostle, explains it this way. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Again, saints, church, people in this room, Christians, whether you're here, uh, you've been a Christian your whole life, as long as you can remember, or whether you're sitting in this room and you're not even a Christian or you don't even think Christianity has anything to offer, I challenge you to read this and apply it to yourself. Don't fall in love with this world or anything in it. What does he mean by this? I think this is a really hard verse to understand, okay? Yesterday, I rode my motorcycle. I love my motorcycle. All right, just say it. And it was a beautiful day. Were you outside yesterday? I mean, come on. I love Michigan. I go all over the world. I go, I love Michigan. You know, February, I don't love. (laughs) Yeah, you just go somewhere else in February. (laughs) And I drove to South Haven, and I walk out on the end of the pier, and there's waves, and there's these boats, and there's a bunch of people, and it's beautiful, the sun is there, and like, you know, I love this. Is that what this verse is saying? I can't love that? So the, the word world is actually <clears throat> the Greek cosmos. It does mean the literal world. It could be applied to any specific part of the world. But it really is talking about the world system or worldliness. God created Lake Michigan. Aren't you glad he did that? And he let me live close to it. I go to other places in the world. I tell people about Lake Michigan, and they think a lake. I'm like, no, no. It's like an ocean. All right? And they're like, huh? I show them pictures like, oh, you live on the West Coast? I'm like, yeah, the West Coast of Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) They just, their brains can't comprehend how, how big this thing is. You know, I'm like, it's not even the big one. <laughs> Lake Superior has m- more water than if you take all the water from all the other lakes and put it together. <clears throat> I've ridden around it on my motorcycle twice. I'd do it again this year, but the border's closed. All right. <clears throat> 
So God created the world. It's good. And God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to save it. So this verse isn't contradicting those truths. It's rather bringing a sharp contrast between worldliness and godliness. All right? And we can't love this world more than we love God. We can't put more um, <clears throat> uh, devotion and commitment or emotional and energy and investment into anything in this world, anything, even the good parts, than we do in God. We can't allow anything in this world compete with our relationship for God, with God. What are you trying? What am I trying to cling to at a cost that's costing me going deeper with my relationship with the Father? And no matter how close you are with God, you're just getting started, okay? So this applies to everyone here because we all can grow deeper and closer to God. But what is holding us back? I'll tell you what's holding us back. It's the things in this world that you love more than you love God, that you cling to more than you cling to him, that you spend more time involved with than you spend time involved with God. Most people say they don't have time to read their Bible, but the average person spends, what, four to five hours online every day checking social media. Listen. It's not about time. It's about what do you love more. Are you hearing me? Do you like what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody say amen. All right, this challenges me too, guys. This whole week, I've been th trying to think of something else to preach all week because I didn't want to <laughs> preach this. <laughs> Jimmy Elliott was a missionary. He, he died uh, proclaiming the gospel <clears throat> to some indigenous people. I once heard his wife uh, speak, uh, Elizabeth, many years ago. Um, and uh, he, so he died preaching the gospel. Um, there was a movie made about it, but one of his most famous quotes is, uh, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. All right? <clears throat> yeah. Jesus said, said, the same th said it this way. <clears throat> he began to tell them that, the son of man, oh, this is a little different. I'll get to that in a minute. Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he told them that the son of man was, uh, must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed. Three days later, he would rise from the dead. So Jesus explained what was going to happen to his disciples, that Jesus was willing to die for the salvation of you and I. And he talked about this openly. Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples. He turned around and looked at his disciples. He's like, can you believe this? <laughs> and then he said to Peter, get away from me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. 
But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to keep what he cannot lose. And so if you have to give up your whole life, but it gains you everlasting life, you're making the wise choice. And what do you do? What do you benefit, Jesus says, from gaining the whole world? but lose your soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, first of all, if any, is anything worth more than your soul? I think this is a, a very <clears throat> revealing phrase, okay? Because Jesus gets down to the issue. It's the issue of what you value most. This whole message, this whole idea, the idea of freedom, it's about what do you value? What is most important? What, it, what has the highest cost in your life? And the challenge is valuing putting a higher price on the things of this world and not realizing what worth is it, even if you gain the whole world, but lose your soul. Because it's comparing something that's temporary if you're, if you're the richest man, if you're that Bezo guy or the Elon guy, why do they have funny names? Sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I repent. <laughs> they got a lot of money. You know what? Remember, I remember when Steve Jobs passed away. He had a lot of money. And he was, he was having this massive yacht that actually was designed to look like an Apple store. I'm not getting it. It was amazing. He never got to set foot on it. A lot of good that money did him. Even if you gain the whole world, what, what, what's it really going to count in the long run? Jesus is here, and the Bible is here and the gospel is here to prepare you for eternity. And yes, you will have blessings in this life. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to have good things. God wants you to be happy. God wants your children to be uh, taken care of. <clears throat> but you can't value those things more than your relationship with God. Jesus said, if anyone's ashamed of me and my message in this these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Peter thought he was preserving Jesus' ministry and helping Jesus out. His motivation was good, but he was in conflict with Jesus, and he was representing Satan, and Jesus called him out on it. You can have good motivations and be completely wrong. Right? And Jesus said, you're seeing from a human perspective and not from God's perspective. And we need to look at the things in this world that we have to deal with from a from godly perspective, from a heavenly perspective. And, and it's difficult to get out of our world perspective because we were born into it. Jesus then laid out the price that we have to pay for the freedom he's offering. Freedom isn't free. It comes at a price. Salvation is free in that Jesus paid that price and it come, that comes at a price because you have to follow him. All right? He said, turn from your selfish ways. 
Quit being uh, so consumerist, consumerist ca ca caught up in consumerism, caught up in, in stuff and, and self. Take up your cross. And when Jesus said that, everybody knew what it meant. We don't know what it means. We haven't seen people carrying a cross, dripping in blood, dragging it to a hill, and then seeing their bodies nailed to it. But everybody that Jesus said that to, they had seen that and would see it again and then see Jesus experience that. That, that was a very vivid depiction of a lifestyle that's not luxurious. It's a lifestyle that's sacrificial. And follow me, Jesus said. If you try to hang onto your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, and the sake of the good news, you will save it. So how can you give up part of your life for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the good news? The good news is telling other people about Jesus, telling other people about uh, the freedom that Jesus offers. And to follow Jesus, you have to give up part of yourself in order to, to really to, to, to do that. You have to let go of something in order to grab onto the thing that Jesus is calling. It doesn't mean that you'll suffer martyrdom or live in poverty. No, actually, it usually positions you to live in complete blessing. But it's a heart issue that you must deal with. You can't hang on to life as we know it, is the point. To follow Jesus demands change. In order to gain the freedom Christ offers, we have to let go or be willing to let go, even of my motorcycle, all right? Even of the good things. And Jesus' message is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. The world is just as adulterous and sinful. Would you agree? Yeah. The world really hasn't changed. You know what? It's, it's good to, to resist uh, uh, worldliness, and, and things that are going on in our society that are destructive to people and, and fight for, for, for godliness in our society. But understand, ultimately, it's not changed over the years. It just takes different names. It looks a little different. The world is just as adulter adulterous, uh, and that, that word can apply to any sexual sin. So uh, that's, what, that's what it means when, when someone in, in Jesus' day used that word. It's just referring to any form of sexual immorality uh, and sinful is this general term for everything else, okay? <clears throat> What's different is the people that's hearing it, all right? The only thing different, so Jesus' words don't change, the condition of the world doesn't change, but now it's not people in, in the Bible uh, hearing Jesus say it, it's you and it's me calling us to follow him, to carry our cross, and realize that there's nothing that can save us from the world, that we need a Savior, and the Savior's name is Jesus.